Hello, hello, hello. Welcome everyone back to the third episode of Cruising Down the Boulevard uh, in this very strange COVID Cup 2020 season. Today we have with us, uh, as I mentioned earlier in the text, the current leader for the toilet bowl of COVID Cup 2020, Mr. Daniel Marner. Daniel, how are you? I'm well, Roman. Thank you for uh, having me on the podcast once again. Always a pleasure uh, to be on the show. Uh, as you said, currently leading the toilet bowl standings. I'm a big lead and succeed guy. If I can't be leading at the top end, might as well lead at the bottom end. Oh, that's a very interesting thing to, to mention because we will talk about that a little bit in the podcast in terms of that being a strategy of yours where it's uh there there are boom and bust type of years in your in your strategy so uh funny that you mentioned that but i i, I think that fits very well with you i'm a guy who you know i try to go full bore on whatever i'm doing so either i'm winning in all caps or losing in all caps and uh you know take a quick look at the standings not not tough to discern what's up uh, this year <laughs> that's that's totally fair um all right well before we get started um and dive into a little bit of baseball um I mentioned in the first uh, couple podcasts that we did, that uh, which were with uh, Weeks and Haywood, which represented at that point uh, two and three in the standings. Uh, now we're talking to you, but regardless of where you are in the standings, we want to hear about kind of where you are in, in life. Um, I know we didn't get a chance to do draft weekend to, you know, catch up with everyone, and some people chat kind of on a regular basis, and others don't. So why don't you fill us in where you've been kind of since since March, how life is going for you, and just where you're at overall wow you know that is a question that i think typically i'd be so much more better prepared to answer but as you alluded to life is kind of upside down right now i I have to call attention to the fact that anything i'm about to share kind of pales in comparison to your own life update uh you know obviously i'm talking to roma uh, maybe a week and a half a week after he uh, proposed uh and we're all very happy for you so that goes without saying thank you Um, thank you as far as how things are going on my end. Um, yeah, I wish I was doing a little bit better at fantasy baseball. Um, but all, otherwise, you know, no, no complaints. Um, this uh, this whole situation has kind of taken its toll on me, um, you know, just like it has on everybody else. I'm, I'm lucky to still have a job, uh, still have benefits. I have uh, a girlfriend who's been taking exceptional care of me at home. Uh, we have a dog who's been keeping us entertained. Um, you know, I have nothing to complain about, except for the fact that, that one of the first things that was taken from me in this pandemic was our beloved draft weekend, um, and that hit me as hard as I'm sure it hit any of you. Um, but no, nothing to complain about here. I recently, you know, I've been trying to be as careful with this virus as possible. I've probably gotten tested more than uh, the rest of the league put together, just because I am a bit neurotic, a bit of a germaphobe. Um but that enables me to, you know, go see people I love, like my parents or Chris Hannafin. I recently saw Chris, uh, and we had a good catch-up session. He's doing well. Um, you know, uh, getting back to normal, slowly but surely. Uh, yeah. Starting to take some trips here and there. We'd love to do one up to New York to see all you boys who are pounding around up there. Um, but no, no complaints, no big, you know, no big news to report out of DC. At least yeah. And I think the uh, I, I certainly echo your sentiment in a lot of what what you mentioned in terms of baseball this year, and you mentioned kind of a New York trip. Uh, one of the things that um, it didn't really come together, but when the thought of it potentially, you know, crossed our minds in terms of you and maybe Hannafin and maybe Ryan like driving up from DC potentially and doing draft uh, the draft weekend or potentially even just a draft uh, up here in New York. That was a a very optimistic place for me personally. Uh, it, it stinks that it didn't work out for a variety of reasons, but um, 
it does it definitely does feel like while we're certainly not back to normal by any stretch of the imagination there are certain things that we can kind of point to that are like okay these are positives moving in the right direction absolutely absolutely we are you know you're right that's that's a great way to put it um i will say i i think of myself as someone who is particularly envious of of the dynamic you guys have in new york i wish i could be more of a part of that at times um i think it's one of the best things about this fantasy baseball league and i I don't really even get to experience it down in dc but um seeing you guys get together for the draft regardless of those circumstances it reminds you what type of thing we got going on here and even watching that remotely was a ton of fun for me Um, because that's what this league is good at above all else just allowing all of us to continue to share in this awesome thing that's fantasy baseball but also keep in touch with folks that we've now known for the entirety of our adult lives I will let you know that despite um, current headlines of New York City being dead, it is not dead uh, and very much coming back to life. So if ever you want to, uh, I think I mentioned this to you before, but if you're trying to move up here, we would gladly accept a Dan Marner uh, of the TPL in New York City with us. I, you know, I appreciate that. And all I would say about New York not being dead is tell that to the Yankees and their trade deadline activity. Oh my goodness. I was just hitting my ball. I didn't even have a chance to respond. Oh goodness. That is interesting because I think maybe um, maybe jumping into real baseball and TPL, um, given that we are recording a mere two and a half hours after the MLB's trade deadline, and we will be talking about trades here and TPL, maybe just uh, give us a couple quick takeaways on how the uh, MLB trade deadline went for you and kind of where you where you what teams you think did well and what teams you think didn't do so well. Well, okay, uh, it's it's a little early for a take like that MLB-wide. Here's, here's one thing I'm prepared to comment on. Um, I would have liked to have seen more sales from my nationals. I would have liked to have seen more buys from your Yankees. Um, how did it affect the defenestration station? Well, I think we're, we're involved in a pretty unique trade, seeing Tejuan Walker, uh, you know, kind of a village bicycle in TPL. I'm sure everybody's <laughs> had a little bit of a ride on the Tejuan Walker bicycle. I have, I have for sure. He got, he got traded to the Buffalo Blue Jays, you know? And so that's that's pretty unique, being traded to this this kind of Frankenstein of a team playing in this city that doesn't typically have Major League Baseball. That was a cool little trade in the station's own uh, myopic world. Um, in terms of trade, yeah, again, I'm not ready to give out grades MLB-wide because I haven't had a chance to say... No, 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 you definitely, definitely not looking for that, like, that level of in-depth analysis, just kind sure. of gen- general sentiments. One, another one that I had earlier today is I was really surprised that Starling Marte was on the move yet again. Um, yeah. I will say that there's certainly a lower demand for his skill set in today's MLB than there was back when I think he was a premium keeper in our league just a couple of years ago. Um, I will say the haul for him was pretty impressive. Yeah. Scoring another top pitching prospect, and you can't even really call him a prospect anymore, just a, a developing, looking good young pitcher. Um, that was a good, good score for him, so... Just surprised to see him get moved around because I always do think of Starling Marte maybe a little more valuable than I should because I typically value him as a very good fantasy asset just with the speed that he that he poses. But um, was just surprised to see a talented veteran player get, like him get moved again in such a short time frame. But I guess the dynamics behind it. Yep. Yep. From a seller to a buyer. I hear you. Or a weird buyer in the Marlins, but we'll see. Maybe well, they, it, maybe, feel, maybe it feels like the Marlins are a buyer and a seller right now, just kind of. A little bit of a of both, um, which it's is a unique season. Yeah, it very much is. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I in in regards to the the Buffalo Blue Jays, I think the you know as someone that went with uh, Bichette and Craig Biggio, um, kind of 
representing a, a big part of the top of their lineup. Um, I had high hopes for the, the Blue Jays this year, and some things have panned out. Other things haven't been as great, but the move to Buffalo uh, has definitely been uh, kind of a, a boost for uh, at least the hitting for the most part. It kind of seems to be playing like a, a home run friendly park. Um, and there are definitely some nights when they put up a ton of runs, so that, that works out well. So hopefully Taiwan uh, has a fair amount of games outside of Buffalo as well. That's what we're hoping for. Uh, quality starting pitching has eluded me the entire season, so really I'll take whatever I can get. Um, maybe he doesn't get another quality start for the rest of the go here, and it just turns into a dead, but I'm, I'm, I'm throwing out players at this point on pitchers. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. Um, and at 49.5 points, you're you're still within striking distance of at least, uh, let's say, ninth, eighth place if, if things go really well. So um, still lots of the season to go, which is weird to say with a month um, to go because it's basically, let's call it like 60% of the way done through the season, but uh, so much can change in 30 days. Uh, but let's let's jump to your team and let's uh, spend some time talking about your draft. Um, I think for the most part, um, you know, the, the draft strategy that, that I saw you kind of work on wasn't, didn't seem uh, weird at all. I thought your team was, was great coming out of the draft, but um, talk to me about kind of the, the first couple rounds. Yeah, I'd be happy to. I think more so than most teams in this league. I mean, hey, look, we don't have to spend a ton of time on my team. It's been a total nightmare, and I'm, let's just get that out of the way up front. If you want a justification, this is the best one I can give. Um, I think more so than most of the franchises in our league, I think I devalue uh, pitching, and especially starting pitching. Um, and that's, you know, I kind of took that to an exponential degree this season. I really, really prioritized bats because I thought that's something I could much more easily anchor this weird short season to than pitching, which can be very fleeting. I mean, hey, look, uh, my top two starting pitchers that I drafted, and admittedly I waited longer than just about anybody to make that move, uh, they're both on IL. Yeah. On IL, and before they got there, they weren't doing it very well. I think um, Morton and Paxton have basically given me two and a half good starts between the two of them. So uh, dire straits there. Then the best pitching I'm getting is coming from a guy who's recovered from leukemia, and yeah. Lance Lynn, who, you know, even No, I, Carlos Carrasco. Oh, you're Carlos saying and, and Lance Lynn, got it. Okay, yeah. And Lance Lynn. Yep. Um, who even I would have been the first to admit was a flash in the pan last year. He just represented decent starting pitching in the tenth round. That's the only reason I took him. I didn't. I wasn't expecting anything like what he's done for me. Um, which has been one of the best starting pitchers in the league. Let's call the spade a spade. He's yeah. been great. Yeah, he's been he's been excellent. And for those that uh, don't have Marner's draft in, in front of them, uh, I'll just read off the first couple uh, picks just to uh, basically support everything that you're just saying but with with the first uh pick you you reached a little bit of on i guess reach at that time felt uh based on like adp on one soto but i totally understand why and honestly aside from the whole being gone for the first couple weeks of the season with covid he's been unbelievable so um you know kudos to you on 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 that and then um then you went jd martinez george springer manny machado um Charlie Morton in the fifth round was your first pitcher, as you mentioned. Jordan Alvarez, that's, I mean, sad news there. Uh, kind of almost feel worse for, for Chris, who's dealing with him as a long-term keeper, potentially. Um, and then Rizzo, pretty solid bat. And then you went with 8, 9, 10, three pitchers, Paxton, uh, Carrasco, and Lance Lynn. Basically, every pick that I put any real thought into myself went south. Went totally south. 
uh, Juan Soto, I agree, was a total reach. I just wasn't going to uh, waste my only chance to really own Juan Soto right now. Yeah. TPL. Let's go. I mean, when is when is Chris going to get rid of him? Probably yeah. never. Yeah. I had to do it. I was taking Juan Soto no matter what, and I would have taken Max Scherzer in the second had he been there. Um, right. No questions asked. It was that was just written in stone. So I can't take any credit for because I think I did reach, and I think it's panned out. Yeah. You know, all intents and purposes has panned out as a pick. Can't take credit for that. Um, the the other people that are doing well for me. I think are just picks that fell to me. Um, I thought, you know, Jordan in the sixth, I got him 67th overall. I know there was some injury question marks coming in, but I thought that was a huge fall. Um, same thing with Rizzo at 78, especially with the, the first base landscape. He hasn't been killing it, admittedly. But I, I you know, but he's, he's, he's been kind of what you expect from, from Rizzo. Like, he's, he's put up those numbers. He's, he's been all right. And I, so the picks that have gone well for me are just falls that I feel, I felt like I couldn't justify letting slide any further. And anything I put any thought into, it totally collapsed. Um, I will say Machado, I reached on. I'll take credit for that one. I reached on Machado, and he's been great. He's been my best bat other than Soto, uh, basically since Soto's been healthy. So that one went well. Um, but obviously, J.D. Martinez, second season in a row, just bamboozling the fuck out of me. Uh, George Spring, <laughs> I mean... A lot. I, I stick by my guys. A lot of these guys, if you spend any time looking at my page over the years, uh, a lot of them are station regulars. Martinez, Springer, Rizzo. I always try to get Paxton in trades because I never want to justify his draft price, and it never works out. I mean, so I, this this was a rough one for me. Um, I'm still trying. I'm, I, for me, we, we've already alluded to this a little bit. I don't mind losing capital letters. That's fine. Just don't come in fucking last. So I really, I want everybody to know that I'm doing everything I can to avoid coming in last. And I'm starting to maybe make some moves here. We'll see what can we can do in the last uh, back half of the season. But yeah, no, I I, I hear you. Um, and I think for for those that are listening, that are kind of in the uh, kind of slightly ahead of you. So that's uh, Hannafin. That's Chris. That's um, uh, let me make sure this is still accurate. Yeah. Um, Chris, we got Protzman down there as well, as, as well as Becker, who's uh, maybe a bit unattainable at this point, but I, I think there's... How am I going to lose to a guy? It's his first season in the league. I, I mean, you tell me. You oh, tell me. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't justify that. I, I, I hear you. This I hear is you. miserable because this is Bruce's first impression of the league. I mean, maybe he's looked over y'all's shoulders over the year, and that'd be great. But I'm, I mean, I'm a defending, cha- not a defending champion. I am a one-time champion mm-hmm. of this league. And if, if this is your first experience in TPL, you're thinking, what, the fuck, what is he doing? It's a loser. <laughs> and, that, and that rubs me the wrong way because Bruce is a friend of mine and he needs to know that I'm a very good fantasy baseball player, but my results aren't speaking for themselves right now. Yeah, no, I think if, um, if, if ever anyone needs any additional motivation right now to not look like a loser to Sam Beckert is high on my list so so everyone get their act together and make sure you beat bruce or else he's gonna think you suck at fantasy baseball this is his first impression of us and you know i I, i'm trying to make a good one and i'm failing miserably what do you think the conversations are like with um with beckert and protzman who live together in the same apartment and i'm sure protzman kind of has been giving him some uh some pointers and some tips along the way leading up to draft and kind of how to you know do things here and there uh, how do you think those conversations are going with Becker slightly ahead of Protzman at this point? Yeah, I mean, hey, look, I would be the first to admit that if you catch, I'm going to say Sam and Bruce here, I understand both of their name is Sam. If you catch Sam on the right day, 
he, he'll, he'll be the friendliest competitor in the world. He'll give you advice on your team just kind of without asking for it. But I mean that in a good way. He's not afraid to actually give what I think is genuine, helpful advice to his competitors and have an open and honest conversation on the right day. So I imagine that leading up to the draft and as he entered the league, I imagine that Sam was probably Bruce's best resource in terms of acclimating to TPL, not only as a commissioner, but as a roommate and just a helpful friend. That's enough roses. Here's a thorn. <laughs> I imagine that since Bruce passed Sam in the standings, Sam has continued to offer that advice, but it's much more of the Jedi mind trick persuasion that we're used to here in TPL that is not actually good advice, but rather counterintuitive advice that he's trying to trick you into following. Or just not necessarily trick you, but maybe obscure what he wants you to not look at. And he's very, he's very good. He's good at talking, which is important. It's more important in this league than I think a lot of people would admit to, but he's good at it. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think Sam is a very skilled and gifted person in terms of seeing what kind of is the future landscape and painting the picture of that landscape that he wants you to see so that he can hike your mountain later, basically. Um, I, I think that's that's kind of the, the landscape images that I'm, that I'm thinking of. So maybe if, uh, if Pratsman was very helpful in the uh, kind of the beginning of the year. I'm, I'm curious, maybe Bruce, you can leave a comment <laughs> on my anchor about just, whether or not, whether or not he's been helpful recently. Look, I, I, I'm touting the fact that I'm, I'm a one-time champion of this league. Sam, I'm sure, is even more proud that he is a two-time and the defending champion of this league, uh-huh. and he's losing to his first-year roommate right now by seven and a half points. I'm looking at the standings. That's, you know, that's... That's not as embarrassing as coming in last place, but I'm sure he's not thrilled with this. I, the fire that you are lighting under kind of the, the asses of everyone in, in the bottom third of the league is, is great right now, so I'm, I'm all for it. So, I, hey, I, I, the fire should be primarily under me, so I'm happy to provide <laughs> it for others too. Yeah, no, I hear you. Uh, all right, so let's, let's talk about your league a little bit, uh, your team, because I think for, for the most part we talked a little bit about the draft. Um, I, I guess unless you have any specific draft picks that you'd like to highlight kind of outside the top 10, I think at this point we're far enough from the draft that I didn't want to spend in kind of a, a, a large amount of time talking through kind of the entirety of it, because at this point draft strategy is far in the rearview mirror and also um, largely irrelevant at this point. So uh, unless you have any other you know specific draft picks that you'd like to highlight i think we'll just move on to the team yeah no perfectly fine to move away from the draft it went poorly um and instead of pivoting to the team yes i'd like to continue to be providing honest assessments of my own performance the team is not much better than the draft yeah i've made some improvements here and there but not much better i would rather talk about kind of the state of where my team exists this league or rather kind of the the changes that we've implemented as an ownership how about that I, I think I think the floor is yours, uh, and if you'd like to talk about that, I'm, I want to hear about it. I think, well, of course I want to talk about it, and I, I have to kind of eat some crow on this one, too. I'm definitely one of the people who is most change-resistant in this league, and that's because I just think I'm a slower thinker than a lot of you. A lot of you guys are real quick thinkers. You figure stuff out really quickly, and it takes me a second to get to the end line. I am typically very change-resistant, and I have to admit that I am really enjoying even even though i'm in last place i am really enjoying just about every change we made to tpl for this shortened season which you deserve most credit for because you are running this ship you are the captain on this ship so you deserve a lot of credit for that 
but we, I think, as an ownership, deserve some credit for implementing some really fun changes. And I just want to get on the record saying that I would advocate for a lot of these to matriculate up to our big leagues, to the real TPL show, um, because I think it has been a more challenging roster to navigate. I think it has opened up a lot of ways for you to try and build a team from the draft and through waiver activity. I'm liking it a lot. And that's not just roster changes. I like stolen bases instead of stolen base net. Um, This has been a fun season for me, and I'm not doing well, but I'm enjoying the bits and pieces of TPL this year more so than in years past. I think that that is an excellent um, kind of perspective to hear, and I think it it is really important, and maybe let's take a couple more minutes and and elaborate on some of that and what you like and what you don't, because I'm sure in the next couple months after the – kind of this season concludes and we start thinking about what will hopefully be an in-person draft and a, a legitimate, uh, you know, 2021 TPL with, you know, the belt and everything that comes along with it. We can all cross our fingers and hope for that uh, to be the case at that point. Um, we are not far away from, from ha- starting to have those conversations around, you know, what are the changes that we implemented this year for 2020 COVID Cup? What do people like? What do people not like? How do we want to, you know, what do we want to keep? And and that was part of what I really wanted to try to um, encourage this year was, you know, knowing that this season is going to be somewhat of a wash anyway, uh, and it's it's random and it's short and it can't be part of normal TPL. Like, why not try some of these things that people want to try? And I agree with you. I think a lot of them have worked well. Um, so specifically, I guess, Maybe let's just go through uh, one of the major roster changes. Um, the fact that we have corner infield, middle infield, and a fourth outfielder, as opposed to three utility spots or two utility spots as it was a couple of years ago. What are your thoughts on that specifically? Sure. Uh, so you started with my favorite part, which I like. Really, the theme of my season is if I think it, it's wrong. So this is another example of that. <laughs> I, I thought the corner infield, middle infield would be the part that I'd be least excited about. I have felt uh, it's been challenging for me to try and occupy those on a regular basis. Just with the way that I build my team, I've been struggling with it personally. So I've really enjoyed that challenge. The added outfield is almost a necessity. I, I mean, I feel like that's a given. Just look at the quality. I'm the worst team in the league. And obviously, this is a little skewed because I drafted for outfield first. But I mean, look at the quality of my outfielders. I have George Springer. Uh, as my third best outfielder and again I drafted for the position but I think we're just a talented enough league where we should be able to go a little deeper into the outfield pool than the the, the real league allows for um, and that's I think that's what we should strive for I think we as a league do a good job of striking a balance between we don't want a league where we have to invest too much time I mean obviously we all invest an obscene amount of time into this league but you know we've always been very hesitant to kind of give an advantage to people who are just at their computer more quickly. So we are sensitive to that. Um, but we do kind of reward a deep knowledge of the MLB player pool. We're not an NL or an AL only league. We have a minor league component. Knowing baseball players and being able to evaluate them at a young age is rewarded in TPL. So I like that we've had to staff a deeper roster this year, I think. Less utility spots. Utility spots, I think... Are, are basically for beginners at this point. I mean, after having to fill succinct positions, it rewards multiplayer eligible 
or multi-position eligible players more. I think that's something that should be uh, considered in fantasy very heavily, just like it is in real life, where you can play your guys in the field. And I think it's just a little more challenging, but it does feel more rewarding being able to really um, replace your bats efficiently every day to compensate for off days, even though it doesn't seem like off days exist anymore. Um, And then I haven't even touched on the pitching aspect of it, being able to really pursue any strategy you want in pitching. Because we had always allowed for teams to stack relief pitchers, um, which, candidly, I'm not. I only have five. But we always kind of allowed for that five number. But now, as I'm sure a lot of people can tell, a lot of people, some teams, mine sort of included, yours certainly included, are bum-rushing starts, okay? And then I imagine you'll just go nine deep at relief pitchers. At least that's what your activity would suggest. And I'm trying and failing to do the same thing. Uh, that's cool. That's a, that's a new logical endpoint to a strategy that was not entirely as employable in the big league already. Um, so that's all to say. I think we've calcified certain challenges that some of the hitting presents, and I think we've really opened up a lot of new possibilities that you can totally pursue in pitching. And, and that's, I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed it. I haven't succeeded at it, but that, I think that should be a testament to the fact that these were good changes that I was also initially very hesitant to embrace. Do you think any of the changes um, create an amount of, an additional amount of like, time commitment that you have to dedicate to make sure that you're staying up to speed? Or do you feel like it, it all kind of falls within the, broader underlying knowledge of what's happening with baseball that you're doing anyway? I, the answer to your first question was no. I don't think I'm spending any more extra time. I think it's basically the same player pool for me. Um, so let me, as a, as, a, as a manager in this league, I think I'm one of the less analytically inclined. I do embrace analytics, of course. I'm just not as good at constructing my own equations as some of you guys are in algorithms to value players. So the way I bridge that gap is by knowing just as much about baseball as I can. I just try to know as much about the player pool as I possibly can, and that's how that's one of my strengths, I believe, as a manager, owner, whatever you want to call it. Right. So that's something I engage in a lot already. I haven't increased it at all. So maybe I'm biased in that regard, but I would love to hear from others. On I think that's a great question you're asking because I have found it to be the exact same amount of time and with greater reward. Yeah, and I think that's, that's the the balance that we I feel like always try to strike and maybe that's one of the most difficult in terms of any potential changes to the league where you I totally agree that I think the um, the changes that we made in terms of the roster construction specifically add to the enjoyment and and it adds a little bit of dynamic of strategy and the pitching situation as you mentioned that was definitely something that I was thinking about it in my mind having nine pitchers as opposed to five starting pitchers and four relief pitchers as it was before allows you to add the additional level of time as a component in the strategy for pitching meaning you can focus on it at the beginning or at the end and at different times you can kind of shift your strategy accordingly which to me is like okay that's like a cool new thing that you can explore so i've really enjoyed uh the changes that we've made the balance that we always want to strike is like are we doing something that you know given the spectrum of of time commitment that people are able to um commit to this league and i know already it's an obscene amount for everyone the question is you know for the people that want to dedicate x amount of time to it per week are we introducing strategies that you know 
add a complexity that they are no longer able to keep up or something like that. And to me, I don't think that these changes do, um, but I think that'll be a really interesting discussion for the off season and, and the next couple months. I think that's well put. Completely agree. All right. Excellent. Um, all right. So I think that's a, a good place to pause in kind of the, the state of the league. Um, and I, I, I kind of teased this earlier today in a, uh, in a text to everyone, but now that we are kind of finished up with the trade deadline um, and TPL's trade deadline is coming up in two weeks, we've had a couple trades and uh, that was something that was, um, you know, I, I was unsure exactly how people would feel about trading this year and like the dynamics around trading, given that we oftentimes are, you know, the person that's competing is trading with someone that's selling and, it, and you, you know, we don't have that additional dynamic where I can trade you a prospect for a really good player. The it, it creates different motivations for trades this year, and I think there that's a really interesting thing. Um, and now that we actually have, um, I think five transactions under our belt um, for this particular year, um, I figured we'd go through uh, and you can kind of grade the trade where you give each manager or owner. Uh, a grade on kind of what you thought the return was. And I know it won't be perfect because each individual uh, owner or manager has specific uh, team needs. So it's not even like a player for player evaluation, I guess, in my mind, but just how you think the trade is working out for their individual needs if you are able to go that far. Um, but you, I, I gave you this prompt and you said that you were doing some, some really in-depth um, research around it. So I'm, I'm optimistic about kind of, uh, kind of where, where this goes. So do you want to start with the most recent trades or the, the earliest trades? Um, so, yeah, I appreciate you asking that question. I'm going to start from the least recent trades, so the oldest trades, and work to the new. How about that? That's perfect. So just so everyone's following, the first trade this baseball season was made exactly two weeks ago. Uh, with Haywood trading with Ryan O'Farrell. Haywood sent him, uh, I'm just going to read the, the trade so everyone's on the same page. Um, so Haywood sent um, Ryan Reese Hoskins and Kyle Tucker. And I text with Ryan about Kyle Tucker frequently because I feel like uh, after he wrote that um, pleading letter about wanting to keep Kyle Tucker, I feel like he is destined for Ryan's team. Um, and so for Reese Hoskins and Kyle Tucker... Um, Haywood got Austin Riley and Jose Barrios. That's correct. That's correct. Uh, one thing I want the league to know, and I think a lot of people know this independently, um, but just as a, as a statement, I typically, and just about every trade that's done in TPL, I typically reach out to the person who I thought won the trade. I'm not there. Wow, so I traded video. today and no one texted me, so I guess you did not think that I won that my trade, but we'll get to that later. That's correct. You're absolutely correct. That's right. Love so, it. Um, I tip more often. Yeah, it's very rare. Let's put it that way. It's very rare that I don't text who I thought won a trade. I'm not typically there to beat up the person who I thought lost because I know they're going to hear that from somebody else. And I mean, let's just be honest. Someone's going to get to them and tell them they made a shitty trade. Uh, and you know, you know, let the loser be the loser on the loser's day. Mm -hmm. Now, with regard to this trade, I start just to, as a caveat. I offer that up. Now, with this trade, I text the winner. I thought that Sean had walked away with this one to the bank. Just thought he had walked away. It, it was apparent to me when this—I mean, when all of these all these trades are safe enough into COVID Cup, into this Franken season—that we knew what we were dealing with from like a points landscape, if that makes sense. Like what you needed to do to try and succeed in COVID Cup. Yeah. 
so when I saw this trade made and he was getting Jose Barrios, which like okay, he was struggling to lock down quality starts, stats were a little inflamed. Jose Barrios was still a reliable starting pitcher. Like that that's it. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm being too stubborn on that point. But I thought the combination of Barrios and multi position eligible Austin Riley, I thought Haywood had walked away with this trade. And and on the other side, so not only did I like the players that Sean got Here's Ryan trading for Reese Hoskins, who I thought was dead. I didn't know he was even playing baseball anymore. <laughs> and Kyle Tucker, who couldn't even get time in a lineup when half his team was I, I hated the two players that Ryan traded for. And I have to sit here and tell you that while Sean's side has done fine, they, they really have. Austin Riley's put a heavy bat down, and Barrios, in, instead of matching one quality start in his first five starts, he's gone one for two in the two since this trade and his numbers are much better more than a k per inning era in the low twos whip in the low ones it looks beautiful ryan still wins this trade he still wins this trade because reese and kyle have been absolutely on fire ever since this trade um they are both ops over a thousand kyle tucker i'm looking at 1500 in 12 games now the games are a little bit low but the way they're swinging the bat they're both locking down pretty good County stats since then, uh, and and I, I I had this trade totally wrong. To continue the theme of the podcast, I texted Sean very quickly, denouncing him the winner, and I think Ryan has won this trade in, in hindsight. Kyle Tucker has been on a absolutely torrid stretch, and I've I've like texted Ryan a few times just to be like, that's awesome because it's like a player that I feel like he is he didn't get to have to start the season but I, like you could tell he was always going to go out and try to get him and he got him and then he's having like a, a unbelievable stretch in the uh in the two weeks following the trade so uh actually i i i am just looking at the fan tracks um uh numbers so maybe the numbers are off a little bit but the past 14 days actually works out to exactly when the trade happens so uh, i'll just read you these numbers in 37 at bats kyle tucker has had 16 hits 10 runs four homers 19 rbis and a stolen base to the tune of a 511 obp and a 1054 slugging percentage um, I mean, look, i'm looking at the same exact numbers and it i mean he's just ripping the shit off the ball and that's that's not even to mention the fact that reese hoskins is out producing austin riley by himself and and reese hoskins he was he was ice cold until very recently. He actually the, I, I was previously a large fan of Reese Hoskins. He set, spent some time with my system. Uh, he's a good OBP guy. His OBP was he was still getting on base forty percent of the time before this trade, but his slug was two eighty three. Two eighty three for a supposed power first baseman. Oh. Yeah. I don't know how you trade for that, but he did, and now that slug is seven twenty one, and the OBP's kicked up to four forty five. So. Masterwork by Ryan. I don't know. I don't know what he was looking for, but he struck gold on both these guys. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And and two weeks may not seem like a lot of time, but when you think about the fact that it's like a quarter of the the season, yeah. like that's those are those are big numbers. So yeah. uh, I guess are you giving an A plus then to uh, to Ryan on this trade? I have to give him an A plus only because he not only got two winners, they got two winners uh, where I would have even thought to look for them. Not with either of them, so I have to give Ryan an A plus, and I give Sean you know, like an A minus because both of his are working out well. Yeah, Austin Riley has picked it up. Jose Barrios has done way better. He's already matched basically his start, his entire start to the season. So, absolutely not a loser for Sean, just an unbelievable winner for Ryan. Yeah, no, I think 
in terms of uh, hitting the ground running, in terms of the the trades so far this year, that's a that was a trade that seems to have worked pretty well for both teams in terms of kind of being good trades and then good for Ryan for catching two very hot streaks. Uh, so let's go to the next trade where um, Max was looking to sell some pitching to uh, to Beckert, um, and he traded him Zach Greinke for the aforementioned Starling Marte. How do you feel about that? Sure. Uh, Zach Greinke and Starling Marte. This is a trade I can really uh, sink my teeth into because both are personal favorites. I love them both. I already uh, waxed poetic about Starling Marte earlier in this podcast. Zach Greinke, obviously a big fan of his as well. I've owned him for a couple seasons. Um, I thought that Bruce had won this trade coming off of it. Um, I did. At this point, like I said, we're far enough into the season to realize how valuable that starting pitching was. I was in, admittedly, cursory talks for Zach Greinke with Max. Obviously, he liked Sterling Marte much better than anything I could have offered, understandably. Um, but I thought that Bruce had gotten a, a really good pitcher. A really good pitcher. He, I mean, he was off to a three quality starts in out of five tries when he traded for him. Um, and that's, that was pretty valuable. You know, at that, when this trade was made, how many pitchers in the league even had three quality starts um and then when you pair that with you know obviously he's not the strikeout pitcher that you would expect from somebody who has three quality starts but the, but the ratios are always sterling and that was no different this season so i did think that bruce won this just on surface level um on surface level and and that's just that's to say nothing bad about sterling Marte. he was uh hitting the ball better than he typically does um the steals were a smidge low and that's why you need him. Uh, runs were a smidge low. That's why you get him. Um, so, you know, I, I would have given the edge to Bruce. Uh, and since then, since then, it's tough to say who won. Both of them have gone south. Um, Greg Key is one quality start out of two tries since the trade. Uh, Marte has two stolen bases and seven runs since the trade so those those are good his, his ratios are very bad uh, Granke's the whip is still okay DRA ballooned a little bit but I, I still give the edge to Bruce if Granke can give him a couple more quality starts uh, that easily flips if Marte goes on a stolen base pair but this one I think Bruce wins yep and I think uh, similar to um, I guess maybe where other people feel but I, I think Max's team strength right now just given uh, that he has Bieber and he has um, Bauer. There's he is coming from a very strong position of pitching, uh, and and he is his pitching as I've talked to him about this uh, a few times. But his his hitting had really taken a nosedive uh, with Judge on the DL that really kind of slows the the, the offense down. Um, so he was you know trading from a position of strength to to something that was necessary. So I guess we'll we'll see how the the next couple of weeks play out, but. I agree. I think it's pretty pretty fair on the surface in terms of uh, kind of what each team needed. Yeah, I mean, uh, the only point I would exclamate there is how bad Max's hitting is. It's very very close to my league losing hitting. Uh, very close. Uh, I could slip past him and Sam. Shame on both of them uh, with just a couple <laughs> of good days. So uh, his hitting is very bad, and I can appreciate the sentiment behind it. Um, just given that his hitting was so bad, I would have maybe targeted a more complete player than Starling Marte, but I also get the desire to chase steals. Yeah. Totally justifiable. Again, I don't think it was a bad trade for either of them. I think Sam wins even with both players underperforming. Yeah, and I think trading for steals is something that's going to come up later as well with a, a, a a trade with Chris and Todd, um, but may, yeah, it looks like Max right now with with seventeen steals is was trying to solve a couple uh, a couple problems all at once. Um, so if you could give them a grade, what would that be? 
Um, I so I, I want to give them high grades for tr- trading name brand players. I give Bruce um, a B plus, A minus, and Max a B minus B. Okay, great. They uh, haven't panned out the, well, the way they wanted to, but I like the players that they're targeting here, both personal favorites. Okay, I hear you. Um, all right, so let's go to the next trade, which happened um, about a week ago, last Wednesday, where I traded with Beckert. Um, I gave Dallas Keuchel for Mr. Edwin Diaz and Will Harris, trying to build the uh, relief core. So uh, there are two things worth talking about this trade before diving into the numbers of it. The first is that I love Dallas Keuchel. Or I, lo- I love him as a fantasy player. I do. I think you, it's solid starting pitching you can get cheaply. And, and I think that you would admit to the fact that I had even asked about him before this trade was struck. Again, also in cursory stages, we didn't really get to talk about it much, but I did inquire about it. So yep. that's all to say. I like Dallas Keuchel as a player. Now, the other thing that needs to be said about this trade, I also like both of the relief pitchers you went out and got. I've, I've been on Will Harris, and I don't mean to be you know, a hipster or anything, but everybody should be able to take their claims. I've been on Will Harris since before it was cool. <laughs> I love him. And I had Edwin Diaz last year. And last year was easily my worst year in TPL. I've come in second to last place. I've come in ninth place. Last year was easily my worst year in TPL. Absolutely miserable. I don't want to talk about that at all. <laughs> Edwin Diaz was parted after me. So that's all to say. I was a believer in Edwin Diaz as well. Um, and, his, and his resurgence is something that I have enjoyed. Despite being a very bitter man, I have enjoyed seeing him do a little bit better this year. Now, can I can I add one one quick thing before you get to the assessment? Um, th- for those that remember, um, the night that I traded for Edwin Diaz and Will Harris, uh, Edwin Diaz left a game with some sort of injury, which wasn't disclosed at first. It turned out being not a big deal at all. But at, in the moment, it was a trade that happened, and this was kind of the the evening after where he hadn't quite hit my team yet and already was injured, and I just took a screenshot of it and sent it to, like, Becker, just being like, you got to be kidding me. Um, but th- that was just very, very funny timing. Yeah, in painful timing for you, for, yes. for the rest of us. Yes. Um, I can relate to that feeling, and I can relate to it even a little more in the fact that it was a New York Met causing you that pain that happened to me one time in trading for you in a Cespedes with uh, Cristali. He got injured very shortly after, and that basically ruined his season. Uh that's all to say Mets are going to met. You know, I'm sure there's no love lost for the Mets in a conversation between a Nats and a Yankees fan, so fuck the Mets. But, <laughs> but we'll use that as a jump-off point. He did get healthy very quickly, yes. which I'm sure you'd admit. Yes. Um, and almost, I, I would say that he's almost doing better, assuming that you traded for saves, saves holds, so you're getting those already. He's almost matched his total since the rest of the season um, in the short time you've had him. So, where to start? You you're, you need relief pitchers. You've now made two trades to get top-tier relief pitchers or um, kind of under-the-hood good relief pitchers. I, I consider Will Harris one of those, and I consider uh, another guy we're, we're going to talk about a little later uh, as one of those. But both of these guys are relief pitchers I can get behind. You're chasing them. And you've gotten, I think, better than you'd hoped for in Edwin Diaz when he got injured the first day you got him, and I think you've gotten a little worse from Will Harris. I actually uh, watched one of those meltdowns that he had live. So, you know, mixed bag there. Uh, Dallas Keuchel, he's one for one since you traded him uh, in terms of quality starts. He's been having a good season, and I think the tough part about Keuchel is you got to get him to eat a good season. But once you see it's going to be a good season, 
his game is very replicable into old age. So as long as he's kind of feeling it from the get-go, he's typically going to carry on until he gets injured. Uh, so you gave up an asset to change some stats. That, that can backfire, but right now, I mean, you've, got, you've gotten at least two, I think, two saves holds from, since making this trade very recently. So, you know, like you said, just like Steel, saves holds add up quickly, and uh, we'll see if you get what you wanted out of this. If I'm giving grades... Wait, before you give grades, I, I want a one, one stat correction. Um, the I traded Keuchel after his quality start. So he is his first start for Becker actually hasn't even happened. It will happen in uh, tomorrow against Minnesota. Pardon me. So then I, I made the cutoff wrong. It was right on the date then. Yeah, so. I, tra- I traded him at the start, so that's probably why. Let me walk that back. No quality start, but then that means that, that he's getting a pitcher that's gone. I think four and seven. Yes, he's he's, he's a it. he's a great pitcher, and I'm I am a valuable a valuable asset this season, especially. I am happy to I'm happy to have had him. I'm happy to send him to a team that you know I think is can use his talents wisely. Uh, the one reason I, I had to move on from Dallas Keuchel wasn't because you know I always knew that if I started heavy on starting pitching. I would eventually have to trade starting pitching probably for relievers or for offensive help, and somehow my offense has been incredible, so um, I don't need any of that. So I'm for those listening uh, and curious about the trade block, I'm going heavy after relievers. Um, and Dallas was just, he was great. His ratios were excellent. His QS percentage was great. Uh, but he, he doesn't strike a lot of guys out, and I am very in need of strikeouts right now. So um, it just it made sense to let him go. Totally defensible. I think this is... It's, it's close. It's very close. The, I think... So, I'm grading your trade, and I'm sure that this is recent enough that you still think you won. Um, this is... You know, two teams trading for different things. Bruce is getting a solid starter because he needs to make up points in the standings. You're, you're trading for certain position and almost certain stats because you want to lock up first place. Uh, different needs, different different sends. I do think just on the whole... Dallas Keuchel is more valuable than anybody else in the trade. If you do end up getting a solid, like if Edwin Diaz is like a top 10 safe hold producer for the rest of the season and Dallas Keuchel doesn't continue his quality start percentage because that, that is what makes him valuable, as you alluded to earlier, I think you lose this trade. If he, if if all holds on what it is right now, I think Bruce wins the trade. If yep. everything continues, I, I, for it. I, I agree. And I think from... The next couple of trades are going to be are, are so recent that there there basically is no uh, data to, to analyze yet, even kind of on the on the short end. Uh, so I guess a lot of this will be uh, at you know at least moving forward, and, and even for the last couple, uh, kind of where we think obviously TBD TBD on kind of how the last month goes. So yesterday I was watching Edwin Diaz uh, blow a. <laughs> a large lead against the, uh, when he came in for a save, uh, when the Yankees scored five runs in the seventh. And I, I know, I mean, watching a reliever implode, like not that he really imploded, only one of the runs was his, uh, but he didn't get the save is never fun, but it was so enjoyable being a Yankee fan that I didn't even care. And I was just like that, that's hilarious. Um, so yeah, let's, let's, uh, I guess two quick grades for, for me and Beckard. Yeah. I'll give you both, um, B plus okay. and give him a slight edge. This this was a good trade. I liked it. Um, like I said, I, I was asking about Dallas. It, you know, he, he gave away, I think, positions. I mean, let me just make sure I'm not talking out of my ass here, but I thought he was doing pretty well. Yeah, he's doing pretty well in safe holds. I guess it's pretty competitive, but um, yeah, I like this trade for both of you. Cool. 
Uh, all right, so let's move on to uh, a trade that took me a couple seconds to get my head around uh, to even figure out what was happening here. Um, but I've talked to both Todd and Chris about it, and I kind of understand both of their perspectives. I have an opinion on how this trade went down, and I'm curious to hear your opinion. Um, sure. So to summarize for everyone, Chris sent Todd... Um, Josh Stalmont, who's been a stud reliever, Adalberto Mondesi, who, you know, hot and cold, but currently pretty cold, uh, and Garrett Hampson for Corbin Burns. This is Todd sending to Chris. Corbin Burns, Clint Frazier, and Carlos Estevez. So you alluded to something that I, I'm, you, were, you were two steps ahead, not just one, you were two steps ahead. You said these next two trades are so recent that there really is no split to be had between the before and the after, and you're absolutely right. So I prepared for the first three very differently to how I prepared to talk about these next two. So you're a step ahead. I love two steps ahead. Excuse me. I love that. There are, I have a lot of questions about this trade. I really do, and I'm glad that you've spoken to both. Maybe you can help shed some light. Um, but let's just, let's try and dive in here. So, the first thing I want to call out, I, let me go on the record. I think Chris won the trade. I've said it. So now let's start dissecting it piece by piece. Chris has already dropped Carlos Estevez. So I don't really understand a throw-in to a trade here unless he needed the roster room. So it was, it was literally, give, who are you dropping? Give me that person. Yeah, okay, great. It's not exactly like as advantageous as in typical TPL here, uh, but okay. So yep. he's already gone. So take him out of the equation entirely. So it was essentially Colton Burns and Clint Frazier for the three that Todd got. Clint Frazier has been one of the hottest bats in Major League Baseball. And in, look, there, there, are not, there are almost not words to describe how bad the counting stats on the two bats that Todd got outside of stolen bases. <laughs> their counter stats are really bad. I think there are some people who compete in this league that would have better counting stats and ratios in one case than the two bats that Todd acquired in this trade. Now, perhaps I'm being a little tougher on Todd than I should be or I would be, but I made a trade like this. It was actually two trades like this last year, which I told you I do not want to talk about. But I made two <laughs> trades that basically equate to this one trade, and it lost me the league. It single-handedly lost me the league. He's, he's selling too much for one stat, because the only thing you can point to with Mondesi and Hampson are the steals. And I get it. He wants to move up steals. He's in last place. And I think there are some easy points for the taking there. Uh, can I pause but you right they, there? Because I, I so disagree with you on that one point. Everything that you said, I agree with. The reason that I absolutely think this trade makes no sense for Todd is, so just looking at the points in, in stolen bases, he's in last place with seven stolen bases. Max and you are ahead of him with 17 stolen bases. Like, at this point, if I'm Todd, I, you have got to let that category go. Like, you're, you're just not going to get enough points there. You're probably not even going to catch Max or you. It, even Like, think about Mondesi at a high end in, in, for a month. What's he going to steal? Eight bases, right? Like, at the very high end, maybe 10. And then only if he has 10 stolen bases while most likely crushing the rest of your ratios he catches last place, and that's assuming that neither you or Max even get any stolen bases for the rest of the season. Like, I know, I know his idea is he's going to be trading for more stolen bases, but I, to me, that, that part didn't make sense. So I know this, this is not about my opinion, but since I, I did have no, some no. context with, with both of them, that's, those are my thoughts. 
I appreciate that. Uh, maybe I was parsing my words a little more than I should have. Uh, you know, trying to respect the respect the the goal that he had in mind. But with that all now colored in, um, it's indefensible. It's indefensible. So okay. So what 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 good do I have to say about this trade for Todd? Because the the obvious gains for the gains for Chris are obvious. He got a, a pitcher who has good ratios. He's killing it in strikeouts. He's he's killing it in strikeouts. About one and a half Ks per inning. The only thing he's missing are the quality starts. Just about everybody is. So who cares? Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. One of the hottest in the league right now. Uh, it's super attractive across the board, except for steals. Basically, four tool hitter. You know, give it to me. Or I five in our league. So the gains for Chris are obvious. I'll I'll grade Chris right now. I think he gets an A minus. A minus. I mean, these are two productive players. You know, they're not brand name. You know, I like to. I, I was complimenting teams for going out and getting brand name players earlier. But Chris is getting two very productive players uh, to round out his team here. It's easy to see why these two players are attractive. Now, oh, and then the great. I give Chris an A minus. A A minus. You know, this was a good one. On Todd's side, Stomont is he's a he's a neat player. He's cool. Uh, the, the strikeouts is a really cool thing. And, like, if you look at his stat cast, so if you actually look at the, the, stat, the stats that are driving his production, the guy's a freak. He's a total freak, um, just like someone we're going to talk about in the next grade. But at the end of the day, the, the save holds aren't... Like, you can find that on the waiver. You can find five save hold, holds on the waiver. The ratios are... Well, the ERA is good. The whip is not. Right. And this guy's just a classic, like hard contact like the whip is not good and he's avoided home runs so the strikeouts are there um, he's I, also walked 11 guys in, in 14 innings which I mean that that's how you get a whip that's that's so high yeah so um, uh, this is definitely going to be my lowest grade and I'm deciding like I Todd YMS so I'm not going to give him like an ultra bad grade but I'm going to give him like a C minus D plus I don't know I, I just in light of everything you said about the stolen base standings which I hadn't memorized as intimately going into this it's really not that defensible yeah I, I think C minus is the lowest grade I got in college where I, I think that's exactly right where it's a, a low grade but uh, it's certainly YMF for everyone so um, with, with especially that, Todd but especially Todd YMF for but, life Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, all right, let's let's move to the trade that just happened uh, today, um, with um, moving, and also one that I, I think now I will sit through um, an evening because I thought this trade was going to happen kind of um, because none of the the players played. Um, I thought that I would get them today, but I guess I won't get them to tomorrow. So fingers crossed, I don't have any sort of. Um, Issues similar to an Edwin Diaz type of situation, uh, but moving Max Muncy to Chris for James Karinchak and Taylor Rogers. Sure. So let's bring it back to what I started with. With all these trades, except for Chris and Todd, that was a complicated one. I hadn't dug into it as much until today. Um, I did tell Bruce I thought he won both of his. Another example of the new guy just fucking owning us. And <laughs> I told you about the first one as well with Sean. I did text Chris telling him I saw it he was walking away with this one yeah um I did I did and, and no, now let me walk that back a little bit no 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 Chris you you, you don't have to I want I want your I I have a specific I agree with you based on value but I I did the trade for a spe- very specific reason but yes I I want to hear your completely honest opinion Max Muncy okay 
Max Muncy is having about as bad a season as he can. I think he is just like, he's such a great fantasy player. He's a, definitely a better fantasy player than I think he is a real-life baseball player. And I think he's such a fucking sweet fantasy player. I've never had the pleasure of owning him. But especially this year, I would have loved it. Just with that positional eligibility, it is just a sight. I love Max Muncy. Um, and he's really playing the worst baseball he's played in the last, like, three and a half years. Yep. So he, so this is as bad as he could do. And he's still putting up. I mean, let's, they're not the best counting stats, especially in that lineup. But they're, they're fine. They're, they're, you're not complaining about it. Uh, and... At the end of the day, I think it only gets better from here. I yep. think it only gets better from here. I think that Dodgers lineup will just continue to get hotter and hotter as it gets close to the end of the season, as it always does. And I don't see how he does. I mean, 20 runs, 9 home runs, 20 RBIs, even though it's a little lower than you'd want it to be, it still looks so sexy. Somehow he's always just matching runs and RBIs and putting up a respectable amount of home runs. And the ratios even at the worst they've been in three and a half years, are still what I consider, my threshold is 770 for OPS in terms of, like, justifiably starting someone. And he's above that. He's at a 775. Yep, and and honestly, I this is something I said to Chris. I fully expect Max Monty. He's got a 195 BABIP. So if if you're talking about someone, if you're trying to figure out why he has a 202 average um, and, and certainly not performing to his peak capabilities... There is no one primed to uh, have a, a rebound uh, as much as Max Muncy is. So a 195 BABIP will go up, and I'm sure he'll have a very strong second half of the season. So I completely agree with you. As for who you acquired, mm-hmm. um, one guy that I was targeting, Taylor Rogers. I like him a lot, especially in the Solds League, and he's been great. Um, you know, he's gotten eight so far, so you know what you're getting there. Talented team. And then Karinchak is something special he's he is a cool player and i give you tons of props for going out and getting again a guy like this honestly chrisali is typically hesitant to trade a guy like this who's really just a sexy as fuck baseball player for one reason or another chris certainly gravitates towards these guys and in real like he's the opposite of muncie he's like almost cooler in real life than he's in fantasy though certainly valuable in a souls league strikeouts are off the chart I mean so instead of looking at before and after like I did with a lot of these trades I looked at StatCast for for a lot of these or for all the players that were involved in these last two trades I haven't gotten a chance to speak to it as much as as I should have given the time I put in but this guy's StatCast page is out of control out of control he is great in every category period except for his curve spin he's he's unbelievable he's like a walking anomaly when it comes to just pitching the art of pitching uh and you know and i guess that's why he's stuck as a relief pitcher because all the weirdest stat casts are these guys that just throw fast and hard as fuck uh and he's getting outs he's getting mad outs so you know i'm saying all these flowery things for relief pitchers uh just because you know at the end of the day this is another trade where you're sending a good bat last time it was a good pitcher but it's a good bat for two good relief pitchers one certainly a strikeout anomaly great ratios the other one good and saves holds. I gotta say, Karinczak even has six of those, so he's he's a total package when it comes to relief pitching. Um, and I think now is the part where you explain to everybody your master plan with pitching. Uh, I'd love to. We're coming up on an hour on the podcast, which we'll, we'll push through, but let me just quickly pause this particular recording, let it record, and then we'll start a new one, because otherwise we'll get cut off in an hour, so hold on. All right, so um, picking up right where we left off, I think the question to that you posed to me was, uh, and maybe 
I was already thinking about the transition, so just ask again so I, I make sure I'm answering your question, but about my relief strategy, I guess, at this point. I am intimately familiar with what you're doing with pitching this year, only because you and I had the same bright idea, and I didn't value pitching enough, and it burned me, but I think it might really reward you, uh, which was, well, I want you to describe it yourself. Yeah. I was asking you, why don't you help justify this trade a little bit, understanding that I think Chris won it, why don't you justify it a little bit in terms of the strategy you're pursuing with pitching? Sure. So, and I think this was something that I had an idea of going into the draft. And I have to say, I did take some edibles before the draft. So the draft didn't work out exactly as I had pictured it. Um, but uh, my fiance is laughing at me. So um, anyway, the the idea that I had in mind was to take go very heavy on starting pitching Um knowing that if you add the element of time into the nine nine pitching um, positions as opposed to five starting pitchers and um, four relievers or whatever it was, you could basically pursue a strategy where you get your starts out of the way early and then use the pitching, which I, I kind of figured pitching was going to be hard to come by this year in terms of quality starts. I kind of assumed that um, there would be a lot of movement in the starting pitch in the pitching categories at the end of the season. So pitching would be valuable. I was like, I'll get it out of the way now and then use it as a trade piece at the end of the year, which so far in, in some degrees has worked out well, but my starting pitching has actually sucked for the most part. So um, <laughs> I, I guess I will have the benefit of trading some starting pitching, but I will not have the benefit of trading from a, uh, you know, a good place to be in terms of starting pitching, if that makes sense. Um, the One of the reasons for that is I was... I was expecting to have a lot of middle um, starting pitchers, uh, but because the draft worked out the way it did, where DeGrom fell to me at 10 because he had had some issues in the start before, um, kind of leading up to his opening start, uh, and so he slipped a little bit, and I jumped all over him at 10. Um, and then Walker Bueller, who before his uh, original um, kind of comments about not being um, fully ready to go for the season and needing to warm up a little bit more. Walker Bueller was kind of high on my list for someone that I was targeting maybe in the end of the first round. Um, and so when he fell to me in the second, I kind of, and maybe this wasn't the best uh, pick at the looking back on it because Walker Bueller has been pretty brutal, but I took him then being like, okay, I'm going to have two stud aces and then I can kind of go heavier hitting in the middle and then start picking up pitchers again in like the 8th, ninth, 10th round and stuff like that. Um, and so because Walker Bueller didn't really pan out well and DeGrom is pitching incredibly well, uh, you know, the strategy hasn't worked fully because I was hoping to have better starting pitching stats to work out off of. But at least I am now, I'm kind of where I expected to be, where I'm ahead on game started, maybe not as ahead as I originally planned, but a lot of people getting injured, um, people having COVID and teams not playing for, you know, days on end, weeks on end for some cases, it, it kind of throws that off. So, you know, I think I'm still well ahead of the, the rest of the pack. And now I am in a position where hopefully I will be reaching out to people and trading for relief pitchers. And if that's of interest to people, great. If not, not. So that's that's my strategy. I like it. I told you I was trying the same thing, except I went, I think, a little more bargain than on pitching, and that shot me in the foot. But I, I can certainly appreciate the strategy, and, and hey, I wish you the best of luck from here on out. Thank you. Uh, all right, so we'll we'll finish up with um, one of my favorite segments of the Cruising Down the Boulevard 
podcast. Uh, and we did a little bit of this earlier before the start of the podcast, but uh, we will go now on to Puff Puff Pass, uh, where for those that haven't listened or need a reminder, we will both smoke a little bit of whatever we have in front of us. Uh, and then I will ask you three questions and you are allowed to pass on one of them, but you have to answer the other two. Sound good? I'm ready. All right, I'm let's... so ready. I've been ready. I've been holding off. I was going to originally smoke throughout this podcast. Um, but yeah, I find these, I find these very engaging. So I, I've been basically holding off since the beginning and this is easily my favorite part of the entire thing. All right, great. Well, uh, I am cheers. All right, and I texted, uh, just for a little behind-the-scenes um, view, I texted Marner beforehand just to ensure that he was going to be smoking, which I, I think is a rhetorical question for Marner, but uh, I wanted to make sure that he was because a lot of these questions I feel like are um, something that make a lot more sense if you're high. Um, so I'll start with the first one. Um, so as you mentioned, you've... You were not the defending champion, uh, but you did win the league. Uh, was it one year, the previous season, or two seasons ago? I'll tell you, it was longer than that. I think it was three seasons ago now. Wow. Okay, so three seasons ago, you, you won the TPL belt. And yes. last year, um, to maybe not you and Hannafin's surprise, but to most people's surprise, the Nationals won the World Series for the first time. Or not for the first time, but um, kind of... They won the World Series. Uh, if you could only have one for the rest of your life in terms of the Nationals winning a World Series or winning another TPL belt, which would it be? So that's question one. Um, so, Ooh, so I was muted, but I, you, I let out a real groan of consternation, and that was a tough question. Let's get to two okay, next. Okay. All right. Well, hopefully that's – I like to make them interesting so that you're, you're kind of forced into answering something that uh, maybe – isn't as kind of top of mind. Um, so last year you sold a lot and you kind of went all in on your team and you said, w w we didn't spend a lot of time talking about it, but I will mention that you, you did not end up winning. Um, and now you're in a position where you, aside from the first, second and third round pick next year, you will be going in. I think your first round draft pick is the 14th round, but I think a lot of those picks are, you know, for keepers. Um, so I'll just ask another question. If you do finish last in COVID Cup and you're in a position to finish near the bottom of the league next year, just guttural reactions and how does that make you feel? Um, and I don't know if you'll want to answer this one or not, but if you could make a wish that one league member never wins a TPL belt, who would it be and why? Wow. I went really hard on these PPP questions. Wow. <laughs> I, I went in I went in with the high ninety nine mile an hour heat. That's okay. That's okay. We don't come to the podcast for easy questions. That's fine. But Jesus, you got me and this meet up and smoking recently gets me super baked. I thought that one was gonna be the toughest question, and it turned out that it's the easiest. So I'm gonna save that one for last only because I think the answers to two and three are gonna be rushed. So let's dive into two first. Because okay. I told you, I didn't want to talk about last season, and you're basically putting me to the sword. You want me to answer for last season? I mean, as I think about your first question, trying to determine 
what I like more, my TPL championship, my World Series, oh, my precious World Series. One thing you have to certainly stop and consider is how much time you put into each activity. I know I'm answering question two, but consider that for a moment. Mm-hmm. Think about how much time we put into TPL. You and me, we, we joke about it almost every conversation we have, in person, over the phone, text. We're always talking about how much time we put into TPL. Coming in last place, which I've never done, is unacceptable. It's it, it's not it's not acceptable in my franchise. Period. We have we have a winning culture. I've come in first, second, third, and fourth, so I know all about the TPL podium. And coming in last place is not acceptable. And you're telling me to think about not doing that once, but twice in a row, twice in a row. I consider it tremendously humiliating. I... The season was rough for me. You know, it was difficult for me. And I think it wasn't made any easier by any of you guys for, I mean, you, you let me have it. You let me have it. And rightfully so. I'm a big mouth competitor and a big mouth wearer at that. But, ooh, Jesus. That last season, it, it, it's a comedy of errors. That's the, that's the medieval term for it. A comedy of errors. It just, like, anything that could go wrong did go wrong. We're throwing Murphy's Law. It was bad. And, like, you know, like, what am I supposed to sit here and defend trade by trade? Like, let's just let's just shoot each other straight here. You know, even if a trade here, there, or anywhere was misguided, I'm trying the best. Like, you know I know baseball. I don't have to defend that. Certainly my, my track record there speaks for itself. It was just so many things going wrong, and I was just – I typically consider myself a very strong trader. I was misfiring all over the place, giving Chris – a great keeper and a valuable player in the same season and hurting myself in the process. Oof. Keston here. Last year stunk. Yeah, that's who I'm talking about. Yeah. That's right, Melbourne. Keston. Hyuda. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. My beloved Californian Keston Hyuda, who I that was the first minor leader that I reached for with our new structure. And and of course I shipped him away. The guy who beat me. And he didn't even capital beat me, he just lowercase beat me. I lost to two people last year. Did you see my team? Ugh. See, so you did what I asked you not to do, and this is what you got, a whiny rant. But <laughs> I told you not to ask me in the first place, and you did it anyway. I mean, you did tell me that I was uh, the Anderson I mean, Cooper of, of uh, baseball podcast, so I'm just, I'm I, trying to, I'm I, trying to get, get the full story here. I stand by that comparison, I stand by, and I stand by uh, my appreciation for your question. You had to make me answer for it at some point. But I just, I really want to paint the picture that I had motherfuckers coming after me that have never won this league. They don't know what it takes to win this league. It takes a hell of a lot, especially if you pursue, pursue the type of uh, franchise direction that I traditionally do. Yeah. Uh, you know, th- these guys are making me answer for my sins as I'm getting nailed to the cross. I had people asking me what I was doing with a week left in the season. This is, the, this is my darkest hour, and I got people telling me what waiver wire moves I should make. <laughs> So uh, question two. Oh question good. Two. Sorry to bring up that ma- bad memory, but I'm I'm happy we talked about it. Yeah. Yeah, and so question three, I mean you said name someone who I never want to win. Yes. If you if you if you had a wish that you could basically say and it would come true that a single person would not win ever in their life, would you do it and who would it be? I'm not going to pass on any of these questions. I don't believe I passed on one our first time around, and I'm not going to pass on anything. But Do I'm it. not going to give you the answer that you crave 
in question three. Oh, I don't have that a crave answer. I'm curious. Well, I think, so you're positioning the question. You want me to name someone that has never won, and I want to ice them out from winning. And not I'm necessarily. Not because, you, you, you can do I'm, anyone. Well, I'm going to pick someone who's won, not once, but twice. I have to pick Sam Protzman. I never want him to win again. I never want him to win again, because the way I see it, he picked me to two. Both of his, he was competing directly against me, and he beat me twice. And I don't think I'd be much of a competitor if I was just going to sit by. I mean, he's, he's done it more than I have. That, that's my rival, the way I see it. We're both expansion teams in this league, uh, and I lost him twice. And that, that doesn't sit too well with me. Uh, so I never want him to win again. That's my answer there. I think, I think if, if there's ever a, a storyline for a rivalry, um, this, this is one that, that might be it. This is kind of two very strong players uh, and so far, you've gone neck and neck twice, and as you mentioned, um, Prats has got the better view so far. But I guess that's that's why we're going to be playing this for the next many years, and I guess you have and, you have time to redeem yourself. And that's me taking a big L because all reference once again the answer that we're almost getting to for question one. Think about how much time I put into this league. Uh, I've come close to winning, I think, three times. I've won it once. The two times I've lost, it's to this motherfucker. So. You know, I, I admit it, I, I admit he's very good at this game. I do. And that's why I never want him to win again, so I can win more. Um, love it. That's a great answer. Now for question number one. It comes down to what I've been reiterating this whole time. You know, what do I put more time and energy and just more of myself into to get to the bottom of whether I value a TPL belt or a Nationals World Series? I think this is a question that only a Yankees fan or maybe a Red Sox fan could ask because you have this you have this recency of, of, of lots of trophies. You across your life, maybe not as recently, but across your life, and, and Red Sox fans, you know, just across the last decades. Lots of titles everywhere. But I don't have that. I don't have that. I, I, I'm a Miami Heat fan, uh, but certainly a distant fourth to the other three teams I cheer for. Uh, I only experienced my first like real DC title with the Washington Capitals, and it was immediately before this World Series with the Nationals, the year before. Yeah. The reason I am the fantasy player that I am is because of a team like the Washington Nationals. I, th- there's just no way. I would, I would trade so many things before I trade that World Series. And that's not to say I wouldn't do the same about TPL Belt. But that World Series, like, I was there for the first game. There was no, like, there was no price I wasn't going to pay to get into right. that game. Like, right, I, And I think, you know, that's something I bring up a lot, too. I think I go to more baseball games than really anybody else in this league. I go to a lot of baseball games. I love my Washington Nationals. And that's not to question any of your fanhood except for Sam Crossman, who's a trainer. <laughs> Out in the open trader. Uh, I'm not questioning anybody else's fanhoods, but I love my Washington Nationals, and that that it's just that's a memory. I they they could stop baseball forever, and I'm good. I got what I came for. Wow, that that is not what I expected you to say, but it is a uh, it is a very refreshing take for you know I, I, for something that is clearly so recent and still so uh, you know. Impactful, so I, I love that answer. It, it just has to be for me. Um, it, you know, I'll, I'll repeat it again. 
the reason I am such a passionate TPL player and manager is because of the Washington Nationals. All right. I love it. So for anyone that thinks that they're a true uh, fan of their team, uh, Marner would like to challenge you on that because he is he is in love with the Washington Nationals, and I, I get it. Uh, that, that team was super fun to watch last year, um, even with players that I, I like on um, – in TPL, but I don't, I think are kind of like funny in real life, like Adam Eaton. They had like a great year and it was fun in the dugout with like the whole truck thing and um, with Soto just being the player that he is and the storyline of Harper, you know, choosing to uh, or sign elsewhere. Uh, and that's when you won the title. Uh, it, it's all all very uh, fun in terms of the, the team that you rooted for. So I, I totally get it. It's, it, I would argue that it's one of the most memorable championship runs in any sport of all time. Um, obviously, I'm biased. No, I don't believe you. Obviously, I'm tremendously biased, but if you, if, and just like any good sports fan, if you appreciate a good underdog narrative, as like American sports fans, all of us do, uh, it was rice with those. The, the, just the penultimate underdog back against the wall. I mean, everything I said about the Nationals earlier is just how much I love the Nats. If you want to talk about, oh, the 2019 Nats, I mean, geez Louise. You, you couldn't dream up a better comeback. And uh, and D.C. was on its feet. I was here. I was I was here for it. I was living it. Uh, you know, the birthings of Titletown, USA. And so I think that's an excellent place to almost end on. I'll just finish with one final question. How great does it feel, with all of that said, to have Juan Soto on your team this year, given that you knew that this was your one year to have him? You know, I really appreciate you ending on that question. And what I'm going to do is quickly look up a text I sent to Max, because you're going to love this. This is how we're going to end it. Sure. Max has been poking around for Juan Soto like the diligent motherfucker he is. (laughs) And I made it excessively clear, excessively clear, that I'm not trading Juan Soto. I figured he was. I figured he was, as I have at my house, the the touchy wines and the no touchy wines. The no touchy are for the the nice uh, occasions. I, I assume Juan Soto was a no touchy. He's the only no touchy. In fact, I'll I'll, I'll tell you. Uh, Max has been asking about Machado, which is my second best bat, and I've been entertaining him. I'm sorry. I just I need to get to this text. Okay, you ready for this, Roma? Yes. You asked me, what has it been like? owning Juan Soto for this one and only year. And I texted to Max that owning Juan Soto is literally the only thing bringing me joy in TPL 2020 season. <laughs> I get it. I get it. The only thing bringing me joy for this season as I stayed down the barrel but another last place finish. <laughs> What a what a way to end it. Um, so, Marner, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I hope that uh, you had a nice little chat, and uh, I will be sending around the podcast on the, uh, which I changed the name because I feel like I'm now I've changed that uh, that text thread to purely promoting the uh, cruising down the boulevard podcast uh, and reminding people about trade deadlines. Uh, so I'll just send this around on that uh, link, and hopefully everyone gets a chance to listen to it look forward to listening to it myself in a little bit appreciate you having me on Roma all right buddy I'll talk to you soon